There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. <laughs> if fool me, we can't get fooled again. <laughs> Hey there, Habs fans, Habs maniacs, Habs lunatics out there in Habs land. Welcome to the latest episode of What the Fuck is Wrong with the Habs? A podcast series that will hopefully try to uh, examine, illuminate, and potentially identify some of the key reasons why the Montreal Canadiens, the most story franchise in hockey, have been a dumpster fire of an organization for the past 26 years. I wasn't planning to do this episode, but there was some pretty big news in Habsland, and since everybody was talking, I figured I'd share a few thoughts as well. So sit back, relax, and I'll be right back with what the fuck is wrong with that. To get that one and a four check they steal it bears around into the open net from Mershan 4-1 Bruins with 20 seconds left and for Bergeron goal number 24 of the season really with 10 seconds left Canadians didn't get a sniff from the Bruins they would not allow that second goal the Canadians with their second loss in as many games. The Bruins have won 7 of 8, and it's over. 4-1 is your final. It's Thursday morning, 2.30 a.m., February 13th. Yesterday, the day started off like most Wednesdays. Nothing special. It was about noontime, and... Uh, I was making something to eat. I sat down on the computer and went through Twitter to see what anybody was saying about anything, if anything was happening. And about 12, 45 p.m., the Kiprios used to work on uh, Sportsnet, one of the panel guys on Sportsnet, always has like inside information. Long time player in the NHL, has many contacts. So Nick Kiprios around 12.45, about a quarter to one, I think it was about that time. He dropped a bombshell on Twitter. And the tweet went something like this. Sources say Shea Weber, injury, has his season likely over and his future in question. Told injury is related to foot that was surgically repaired in 2018. While waiting for swelling to alleviate and further confirmation, surgery seemed unavoidable going into this week. Now, needless to say, 
Montreal being Montreal, Habs Twitter being Habs Twitter. Everything kind of went a little bit crazy. People started talking. People started speculating. People asking questions. Tweets going to Molson. Tweets going to media guys. Everybody wants to know what the hell is going on. Is Nick Kiprios uh, on the level? Has he smoked something? Does he want a little bit of, uh, of attention? What the hell is going on? Now at this time, remember, the Canadians, the only information that they released about Shea Weber about seven days ago, eight days ago, was that he'd miss a week. And then when the week passed and the Canadians were, on a, were going on a road trip, they announced that he wouldn't be attending the road trip with the team. And they left it at that. So the one-week the one week prognosis had sprung into week two. So Nick Kiprios at 12.45 on this day, Wednesday, throws his tweet out. And the speculation reaches crazy level. Everybody's speculating now. What the hell is going to happen to Weber if he can't come back? Conversation got so crazy, it reached all the way to Nashville. Because uh, part of Shea Weber's uh, ridiculous contract from hell is if something happens and he has to retire before his contract is up, the Nashville Predators have to meet the salary cap. And the salary cap is not the same every year. And the salary cap, the last year of Shea Weber's contract, which is, I think, 2022 or 2023, if he retires before that, Nashville's on the hook for, I think, $24 million on the cap. Now, that's four years away, five, five years away, four years away. The NHL salary cap is not going to rise uh, 200% by then. It'll definitely go up, no doubt about it. It's at 72 now, I think. I'm not positive about that. So in four or five years, if you say two, two million a year, it might, if things go well, economically, it might go up 10 million or more to 82 million. Imagine me, the National Predators, at one quarter of your salary cap is going to a guy who's not even playing. Yeah. So that was out there. Those ghosts started to circulate. And they were scary. They were scaring a lot of people. A lot of spooky sounds. Everybody was freaking out. And then, Darren Drager, about an hour later, I'd say, he releases a tweet. Stating, let me see if I can find it. I don't think I saved it. No, I didn't save it. He released a tweet stating that uh, Shea Weber is in Wisconsin looking for a specialist. That was it. So now here we are in Montreal. Shea Weber's been gone for seven, eight days. He's not on the trip with Montreal and Boston. 
he's in fact in Wisconsin looking for a specialist to see what the hell is going on with his foot. So now keep in mind the time now, the time frame. 12.45, Caprios' original tweet. About, I don't remember the exact time, about a half an hour later, 45 minutes later, Darren Drager releases his tweet about the Wisconsin thing and the specialist. And then a few minutes after that, Paul Wilson, who works for the Montreal Canadiens uh, PR department, and his uh, Twitter account, he releases uh, this statement, which goes like this. In response to comments regarding Shea Weber's health status, and as mentioned by head coach Claude Julien, the Montreal Canadiens should be able to provide an update by the end of the week. There will be no further comments at this time. So keep the, keep the timeline. Remember the timeline. 12.45, Kiprios uh, tweets his original tweet. Drager about half an hour later. And Paul Wilson about 5-10 minutes later after Drager's tweet. So now things get even a little more confusing. Because now there's even more of a window of speculation there. Because Paul Wilson states that the team won't provide any more information until the end of the week. Now, Paul Wilson's uh, Twitter statement that stayed maybe for about half an hour to an hour before the Montreal Canadiens official Twitter account released their own statement. And their statement was Shea Webber, Shea Webber, Shea Webber will be missing between four to six weeks because of an ankle sprain. So Paul Wilson uh, tweets that uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, We'll provide an update at the end of the week, and there will be no further comments at this time. And maybe a half an hour to an hour later, the Montreal Canadiens official Twitter account posts their own uh, Shea Weber uh, injury status report. So we went from no information from the team regarding Shea Weber to there will be an update later this week about Shea Weber. No further comments about Shea Weber. To Shea Weber is, is injured for four to six weeks and he'll be out for four to six weeks because of an ankle injury, an ankle sprain to be precise. Now, I'm not a conspiratorial kind of guy. Even though we live in, a, in an age of conspiracies. But sometimes, you know, the Fool me once. Shame on you. You know, that whole thing. After a while, you kind of get a little bit, uh, you know, your your spider, your spidey senses uh, start to tingle. And you go, ooh, what am I being fed here? And to me, I, I was on Twitter while was, this was happening. It, to me, it, pre, it seemed pretty, pretty obvious what was happening. There was just so much noise out there. There was so much speculation, not about Shea Weber's possible mystery injury to Shea Weber might never be come, coming back to play in the NHL to, oh my God, the Nashville Predators are might be destroyed as a franchise to, there was so much noise out there that to me it was just like a logical thing for Montreal Canadiens PR department to do. 
throw out a statement that he has an injury, he'll be gone for this, this certain amount of time, and it will buy us some time. Four to six weeks, we'll buy the Shea Weber's injury some time to heal up. Hopefully heal up, knock on wood. And uh, the Canadians have totally alleviated all the noise for at least another month. Now, when the five weeks comes up and we're approaching week six, and there might be a little bit of rumblings from the media about Shea Weber, and the Canadians might be forced to make a decision there to be more upfront about what's going on, or maybe everything will be great. We don't know. Nobody knows. That's where we are in Ham's land. We're stuck in confusion. What's going to happen? Who knows? I don't know. Do you know? Does somebody know? Does Jeff Molson know? Does Mark Bergevin know? Does uh, is there anybody else? I think right now it's uh, the dynamic duel at the Bell Center. Jeff Molson and Mark Bergevin. They're riding that horse together. I'm not insinuating anything. But they're definitely a dynamic duel. So what's going to happen now? As a fan base, we're stuck with... Uh, Right now, let's be let's be honest. It's kind of uh, scary looking. But as a fan base, we're stuck with uh, Jeff Petrie as your number one defenseman, Ben Sherratt as your number two defenseman, and then pick and choose whoever is left and put them on whatever list you want to put them on. It's that bad. Today, tonight, actually last night against the, the Bruins, the Canadians' top six D-men were Mete and Sharat, Petrie and Kulak, and Wallet and Scandella. And let me repeat that. Mete and Sharat, Petrie and Kulak, and Wallet and Scandella. Best case scenario, Shea Weber is ready to go in four or five weeks. The team will most definitely be mathematically eliminated by then. And maybe he comes back and he plays a handful of games just to feel things out and to make sure that the organization lets everybody know that things are okay. Don't worry. He's good to go. He'll be here next year even better. That's the best case scenario. Now, let's look at... Um, some other scenarios that maybe are not uh, that rosy. What if Shea Weber is finished? What if his career is done? What if, in essence, the Canadians lost P.K. Subban, Shea Weber, Markov, and Sergachev, and Radulov? And got Jonathan Joy in return. Because in essence, if uh, Shea Weber doesn't have uh, the ability to come back next year, uh, that's what happened. He lost P.K. Subban. You swapped him for Weber. If Weber can't come back, you got nothing for Weber. You lost Markov for nothing. You traded Sergeyev for Joanne. 
and you lost Radulov for nothing. Sometimes I, uh, I think about the Montreal Canadiens. I talk about them right now, just verbalizing uh, some thoughts. And it's almost mind-boggling to me that we're year five with one playoff series. Five years, half a decade with one playoff series. And the same guys that got you here to this point where you're half a decade with one playoff series are still the guys here. For, for a guy like me who's, who's like half a century old, who's been watching sports since uh, I was a kid, yeah, I don't remember this. I don't remember this kind of failure, patted on the back. Yeah, keep going out there, son. You can do it. Have you ever seen this? I've never seen this. Five years, one playoff series. The guy that you literally shook up the foundation to get in Shea Weber might never play back, might never play again. And if he does come back, this is how many surgeries now or injuries. Let's pretend he doesn't even have, he doesn't even need surgery. Let's keep playing that best case scenario uh, movie over in our heads. He doesn't need surgery. He just needs time four or five weeks he'll be fine he probably won't play the rest of the year because there's no need but say he does you know best case scenario he comes back does he come back the same same ankle different injury maybe that's even worse there's two other things now happening in that uh, that that body you know that part of the uh, the human core that is Shea Weber. If he does come back, ready next year, is he a step slower? Is he a step uh, slower turning? Are those turns a little bit more delayed? Because they're not very pretty now. You already can't play him three on three. You can't play him in overtime. He's way too slow, way too much of a liability. So you're already there. So those 82 games uh, during the regular season that you need to get uh, points, your number one D-man can't even, can't even help you in the overtime. So we're there as a fan base. The Canadians have 22 games left this year. In all practical guesstimation uh, analysis world are those 22 games they probably need to eat to win 18 probably 18 have 22 today uh Claude Julien was saying well if we go eight and three and eight and three you know well you lost today so you got to go nine and two Every loss is just another nail in the coffin of whatever slim chance was there for the Canadians to make the playoffs. And 
the reason that I made this podcast tonight, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast tonight. I was just going to watch the game and see what happens. I wasn't expecting much. But I'm kind of looking forward to watching Nick Suzuki play. I'm one of the few things that I'm actually rooting for this year when it comes to Montreal Canadiens is hopefully that kid gets nominated for for a Calder for a Calder. That's kind of cool. To be completely honest, most of the times that that I tune in to watch the Canadians, and then the Canadians to me are like heroin. I, I have no choice, you know. Don't do drugs, kids, except weed. Weed is good, but not too much of that. That's bad too. So I was gonna watch the game. See what Suzuki does. Maybe the Habs would uh, surprise us a little bit in Boston. I was expecting the worst, hoping for the best kind of thing. And nobody was expecting the Shea Weber news to fall. Nick Kiprios kind of uh, shook up the foundation there a little bit. Now, obviously, after the Canadians released their statement about Shea Weber uh, missing four to six weeks, because of an ankle sprain. Obviously, a whole bunch of pe- people on Twitter, you know, the Twitter frenzy, uh, habits of uh, Twitter crazy people, that they think everything the management does and says is uh, coming straight from, uh, you know, the mount. Yeah. Freaking Moses handed it over, Jeff Molson. A lot of people think like that. It's freaking gospel. So a lot of people start attacking Nick Kiprios, you know, what the hell do you know, dude? Sprain ankle. So the you know the classic. So you told me the guy's gonna miss uh, his uh, his career is over because he sprained his ankle. You know that kind of nonsense. And uh, Kiprios um, responded after the Canadians released their uh, their uh, their medical update, as they called it. And he said in his tweet, "Hopefully for the Canadians, Shea fully recovers in four to six weeks. But I stand by my story that the Canadians." Concerning going into this week was tendon-related and not optimistic for his return. Long-term questions, I believe, remain. Nick Kipri's not stupid. He's not going to put his uh, potential career, whatever's left of it, on the line by outing or lying about one of the most uh, storied franchises in the history of hockey. So... My money's on Kiprios telling the truth. And by truth, I mean he was given information, you know, that he had to go with. And that information wasn't that uh, they're not sure what Shea has. That information was, it was kind of related to the previous injury. The surgery he had two years ago was very specific in that. Now, the Canadians obviously laid a lot of those uh, those uh, speculations and those conversations that were going on and the noise was loud. It was very, very loud. And um, in essence, what they did was they bought themselves some time. They bought Shea Weber some time to heal. Hopefully it gets better. And uh, they bought themselves some time to try to figure out what to do if it doesn't get better. So as a Habs fan base now, we just kind of sit back and we wait and we see what's going to happen. Nothing else you could do. No one else you could ask questions about because they pretty much closed the door on that. In five weeks, get back to us. Okay, we'll get back to you. 
Hopefully Shea will get back to us. So, like I stated, I wasn't planning on doing this podcast, but this kind of news, it kind of fits in the whole, you know, uh, what the fuck is wrong with the Habs theme, you know. And the Shea trade, uh, let's be honest, it's a huge part of it. It, uh, it created a massive divide in the city. PK was so popular. A big chunk of the the, the the Habs fan base still can't believe that you traded traded Subban. They still don't don't understand why you traded Subban. They still can't figure it out. The last time I heard uh, PK talking about it about a year and a half, two years ago, he can't. He has no idea what's going on. What happened? But it happened, and we had to move on. And we kind of moved on for four years. It wasn't pretty. Uh, there wasn't much uh, excitement there. But we kind of got used to Shea, you know. But like most people were saying four years ago when the trade was made, one of the biggest concerns about Shea Weber, trading for somebody like Shea Weber, somebody who played 11 years for Nashville, it wasn't three, four years, 11 years. There was a lot of wear and tear on that body. Pierre Maguire said it. I don't know anybody else, but I'm sure a whole bunch of other people said it. I said it. Nobody was listening to me because, you know, schmuck from Park X. But it was a pretty, you know, when you trade for an older guy, there's always that question. Is his body going to hold up? So now here we are four years later. Shea Weber played 73 games his first year here and Half season is the rest. Quarter of a season one year. And this year. Which is what? I don't know. 60. He's missed what? Six, six games? Something like that? Five, six games? So he's played uh, 52 games or something this year. He's not going to play another game this year. There's absolutely no reason for him to play another game this year. So the Canadians now, if we're completely honest with each other and... Uh, Right now, I'm knocking on my table, and I'm kind of doing that universal, you know, hope for luck kind of thing. The Canadians, if we're honest now, they should be scared to death. Absolutely horrified at the prospect of Shea Weber never playing again. Or if he does play again, playing at a level where you can't even get trade him. How are you going to trade Shea Weber now? Say next year comes. We're there. It's next year. And in between this year and the draft and next year, Jeff Molson had a, an awakening. You know, the, the ghosts of Christmas past that visited him. And they shook him and they explained things to him and they showed him visions. I don't know if they have to show him visions. Uh, you can just see the team now. It doesn't have to see any scary visions. They're, they're in front of him. Still open your eyes. So let's say, you know, he makes that grand leap to the great rebuild. What the fuck are you going to do with Shea Weber? You're kind of hoping now that 
he's healthy enough to stick around for a couple of years. Because worst case scenario, he he's not he's not healthy enough to come back, or it's delayed, extended. You know, he comes back next year and then he's extended. He plays a week and gets swelled up and blah blah blah. And he's not the same player anymore. Who the fuck is gonna trade assets for Shea Weber when they don't even know if they, if, he, if he's gonna finish half a season? They don't even know if he's going to finish quarter of a season. They don't even know if if they, that team that trades for him, if they make the playoffs, or I'm assuming if they trade for him, they're a team that's close to the playoffs. If, he, if he's going to be able physically to, to handle the pressure of, ha- of playing against one team seven times in two weeks, the puck constantly being thrown in your corner, two guys chasing after it, Who's going to trade for that? So the Canadians, in essence, in essence, next year, they you could be talking what you see now on defense. Please, God, if you're listening, send the kid Romanov here. Because if he doesn't come next year, ooh, I, don't, I don't think Mark Bridgman has the ability to, to pick up a better defenseman than, than Romanov anyways. It's going to be some scandal type. More filler. So hopefully today's news with with Kiprios, hopefully this Greek from Toronto, kind of, uh, yeah, kind of banged on the window in Jeff Molson's office and kind of made him realize, oh my God, if we lose Shea Weber for nothing, we're fucked. What do we do? Do we re- We have no choice but to rebuild. And if you rebuild, then you got to pretty much trade price. I mean, what are you going to do with Primo? If you're going to rebuild, you have to you have to trade the biggest asset you have that could bring the most assets. That's how you rebuild. You don't rebuild from the periphery. You don't rebuild by training Cousins and and Thompson for a fourth and fifth and sixth rounders. You're not rebuilding. You're just taking that brick down and putting it back, back back up again. Rebuild as you destroy the freaking house. You tear everything down. You make sure the foundation is correct. And by founda- foundation, I mean management. You make sure you have the right guys there. Because if you're rebuilding, tearing it all down, because it's been destroyed by Mark Bergevin and his crew, and you're telling Montreal fan base, well, we're going to keep these guys to start all over again. You're taking that divide that already exists and you're just making it even bigger. You're literally giving all of Montreal the, the middle finger. You're saying, go fuck yourselves. I don't care. Me and Mark, we're going to go all the way. Dude, this organization is stuck in delusion land. They've created so many excuses for themselves. They actually believe that they're close to something. Instead of realizing all they did was just, what's it called? They just piled up a whole bunch of excuses so they could climb on top of them and look over and look at the horizon and see, well, you never know. 
The Montreal Canadiens are the you-never-know organization. If things stay healthy, you never know. If we make it to the playoffs, you never know. As long as Carey Price is there, you never know. It's the you-never-know delusion. So, let's be serious for, for a second now. Hopefully what happened today with Nick Kiprio's announcement in the news with Shea Weber, hopefully it's a wide awakening for Mark, for Mark Bergman, well, Mark Bergman, my God, for Jeff Molson to realize, you know, guy, if this guy is an ankle slash tendon slash knee slash whatever the hell his injury is, doesn't heal up and he comes back to at least where he was this year. Because let's not forget, he's one year older next year. He's not 26, he's not 27. It's like, ah, who cares? He'll come back, you know. Marco was, what, 33, Marco? But, you know, that took two years to kind of work its way out. So we're going to wait till Shea Weber's 38 till it works out. What the hell are we talking about? So, here we are. February 13th. And the Canadians don't know if Shea Weber is going to play again next year. And they're assuming he is. They're, you know, they're kind of hoping, praying like everybody else. But they don't know. They don't know what kind of Weber is going to return. Is he slower? Is his shot a little less uh, accurate? Because he can't follow through? You already can't play him three on three in overtime, so all those games that you play uh, during the regular season that you might pick up an extra point here and there, he's not helping you do any of that. So you have that reality, plus a reality now that you have no idea what the hell is going to happen. If he's not healthy, you can't move him. If he's come, if he comes back a little bit slower than he is now, he's a little worse than what he was. He's not a number one defenseman now. What's he going to be when he comes back? That's the situation we're in, folks. We're in. We're in for the. If this, if Jeff Molson doesn't make the right decision, and the right decision is the obvious decision to anybody with any brain in their head, who's not a crazy human being who thinks that Montreal Canadiens are winning the Stanley Cup next year, you have to tear it down. Now is the perfect opportunity to tear it down. Pull the pull the trigger on this management team. Now is the perfect opportunity. A huge chunk of the fan base that wasn't exactly, you know, on the Mark Bergevin train. They've already jumped off a long time ago. So you're not losing anybody by getting rid of this guy. But the problem with Montreal Canadiens, we come back to the same thing again. We come back to the, you know, putting your foot in a bear, bear trap. 
You know, Jeff Molson is stuck in a bear trap. He's got one foot in a bear trap. Who's going to save him? Does he have the ability to get out of the bear trap? Is he going to gnaw off his, uh, his own leg like saw to get out of it? Is somebody going to come along and save him? He's stuck in the wilderness. I'm doing in the bear trap. Somebody help him, please. I can't reach him. Somebody, does anybody know him? Yeah, go go to his house, have dinner with him, and explain things to him. Dude, hello. You have to make changes. Not only for the good of your, your team, which is absolutely, uh, let's be honest, it's not pretty. Not only for the good of your team, but for the good of the future of your fan base. A lot of people are ready to strangle you. A lot of people are ready just to walk away and never return again. A lot of people have already walked away and never returned again. I work in a club. The last time that somebody asked me what the score was when a hockey game was on, it was never. I've only been at the club for two years, so I can't speak forever, but in the two years I've been there, nobody's ever asked me. Dude, what's the, what's the score of the game? And I work nights when the, the Canadians are playing. No, Nobody cares. Nobody's, nobody comes to the DJ booth and says, hey, dude, can you put the, the, the game on the TV there, the big screen? Nobody, absolutely nobody. A, handf a handful of people once in a while ask me for the football games, the NFL games, to put those on. And usually the game is on anyways because I'm watching it on a computer screen. So I flip that on for them to watch. But nobody's ever ever asked me. You know, can, can you put the, the hockey game on? Or what, what's the score? Or did the, what did the Canadians do? If, if we're honest about things, who is anybody following? I mean, be honest with yourself, with yourself right now. Think about this team and ask yourself, okay, who, which player am I following? Like, which guy do I really care what the hell he does this game? You know, like, you, like people used to have heroes, you know? Who was that? I remember when Kovalev was here, people were tuning in to see what Kovalev does, you know? You know? Maybe Pacioretty a little bit, maybe Subban a little bit, you know? Now on this team, who who who, who are you tuning in to, to watch? Me, you know who I'm tuning in to watch? The only guy I'm tuning in to watch? Honestly, the only guy I'm tuning in to watch is Nick Suzuki. Because I have no idea what he's going to do. So it's kind of exciting. Everybody else on this team, let's be honest. You know exactly who they are, what they're going to do, what they're going to produce, what they're capable of producing. You know it. You, you've seen it. Armia is going to show you something he hasn't shown you before. What's he going to show you? He's the same hockey player. Once in a while, he plays great games. But for his size, he's not physical enough. He's not aggressive enough. He's not hungry enough. Once in a while, he is, yes. But that's uh, that once in a while is a 15 to 20 goal scorer where he could be a 35 goal scorer. What's Domi going to show you that he didn't show you last year? That's the best of Domi. What's Lickening going to show you? Gallagher, you know exactly what you're going to see with Gallagher. You're going to see effort and shots from all over the place. 
today was hilarious. Today he he kind of spun around at the blue line. He got caught with another player. And the puck was there, so he kind of spun around. And he literally passed the puck to the goalie. <laughs> and so he canceled his shot on goal. So, to me, the only guy I tune in to watch is Nick Suzuki. I want to see what where this kid does. I'm really rooting. He, he's he's almost the only guy on the team that I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for him to to be nominated for the Calder. I want him to be one of those three three young kids there. You know, that's pretty much the only thing I'm rooting for. I don't know about you guys, but now the Montreal Canadiens are facing a dilemma. A lot of people realize, yeah, the dilemma is going to be there. If it wasn't this year, it's going to be next year. If it wasn't the year that year, it's going to be the year after that. It was coming, yeah. like Stu Callen said on the Twitter today. Father Time doesn't wait for anybody. Eventually, he's going to tap you on the shoulder. So what do the Canadians do now? Where do they go? All we could do now is just wait. So we got 22 games left. There's no way Mark Bergevin is going to bring players here to help the team out for the last 22 games. That would be complete insanity. You're not going to sell off assets. You know, to bring who here? Who are you going to bring? He's going to make what kind of a difference? Nobody. So now you're in a situation where you have to sell your assets. And there's no... No one, no one's, no one's convinced me yet that Jeff Molson has taken the turn, you know, to change management team, and no one's convinced me that Mark Bergevin is has convinced Jeff Molson to do the full rebuild thing. So, I don't know what they're gonna do. The question falls now to uh, to Tar. Petrie's untouchable now for the Montreal Canadiens. Last week we were talking about, you know, a lot of people were talking about, oh, well, maybe we trade Petrie. I'm fucking laughing in my back. I had him going, what the hell are you talking about, dude? He's the only defenseman you have that can skate the puck out of his own. You're going to trade him for what? So potentially in three, four years, you might have another defenseman that might be able to skate the puck out of his own. That's what we're doing. Just whatever whatever issue comes up, just toss it down the road. Deal with it next year or two years from now or three years from now. 2033 is looking good. I'm just throwing that number out because uh, it's just a number. So the Canadians now are like, they're waiting for uh, Shea Weber's ankle slash tendon slash lower body injury to heal up. They're waiting for Romanov in Russia to come to some sort of decision about his future for next year. They're waiting for Nordlander from Finland to see if he comes next year to see uh, where he fits in. Is he an NHL hockey player? Is he an AHL hockey player? No one knows. They're waiting for Jordan Harris, who's looking good lately. But he's playing college hockey, so who knows what uh, the next step is going to look like for him. So they're waiting. Waiting game. Playing in the waiting game, perhaps. All we're doing is waiting. We're waiting for Jeff Molson to come to a census. Uh, Jeff Molson is waiting for Mark Bergevin to do something uh, special. Mark Bergevin is probably waiting for Trevor Tippins to uh, pull a rabbit out of his fucking ass. You know? Trevor Tippins is probably uh, waiting for the day where there's no pressure on him to draft uh, some hockey player from, uh, from, from Quebec. 
the Quebec players are probably waiting for uh, not to be drafted by the Montreal Canadiens because nobody wants to play here. Because think about it, it's a, it's it's a ridiculous uh, microcosm. It's a ultra focus for athletes, and the team is not very good. So you're kind of stuck in that situation where everybody's expecting everything, and if you're French Canadian, they're expecting a lot from you, and the team is not good. So the the pressure and the focus uh, doubles and triples and just magnifies. And... So the waiting game, you just keep waiting and waiting. Tonight in Boston, the Bruins won handily 4-1 final score. They scored an empty net goal to make it 4-1, but the game wasn't close. Carey Price, thank God he's still there. Kept the game kind of close-ish. And I was thinking to myself, man, I remember just a few years ago how exciting Boston and Montreal games were. How much extra juice there was involved. There was so much hatred involved. Guys almost dying on the ice. Guys guaranteeing victories. Remember that? Yeah, that's not going to happen with this squad. Who, who, who the hell am I going to guarantee a victory? First of all, they're not going to make a playoff, so I don't know what kind of victory they're guaranteeing. Who, who's going to guarantee a victory? Who, who do you see doing that? Shea Weber never speaks, so he's not guaranteeing anything. Maybe Gallagher, if he's forced into it, he might say something. There's nobody else. They don't have that guy. They don't have that energy guy. They don't have that, uh, you know, I'll pull you guys along for a while. They don't have that guy. So I was thinking, well, what the hell, man? We used to have these incredible rivalries with Boston. Not only incredible rivalries, but we used to dominate them. So it was kind of double fun. Now is there's no rivalry. The games are not that exciting. And they're so much better than us that it's not even... I don't want to say it's not competitive at all, at all but the last two games, Boston has, has outscored Montreal 12-2. Uh, to 8-1 and 4-1. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so what do the Canadians do now? Worst case scenario, Shea Weber doesn't come back. So you uh, you move forward with the knowledge that uh, you traded P.K. Subban. You lost Shea Weber. You lost Markov. You traded Sergachev. You lost Radulov. And you ended up with Jonathan Joy. Maybe it's worth it. I think for a lot of people, especially uh, French media in the city, I think if you, if you kind of pose or phrase the question that way are you happy that the Canadian maybe happy is not the right the right word are you satisfied that no matter what it's a good thing that Jonathan Joanne's on this hockey team they'd probably say yes 1000 percent you know that's a big chunk of the problem here in the city we forgot the important stuff So, no, no, uh, no, uh, Shea Weber. For the next 22 games, the Habs will go with, uh, with Metesh, Sharat, Petri Kulak, 
Ouellette, maybe. And uh, Scandella. That's your uh, your top six without Weber. Even with even with Weber in the lineup, it's not that good. But without Weber, now it's just completely, it's almost laughable. It's like a, it's an AHL thing with that Petrie. And Sherrod occasionally. And even Sherrod, he's a he's four guy, number four guy. So you have a number two and number four. Maybe a three and a four. Petrie right now is your number one. Well, let's be honest, he's been number one for the last couple of years. You can't label somebody your number one defenseman in the NHL if you, if you, if you can't play him three-on-three uh, three overtime. There's 82 games in the regular season. That's a lot of games where you might need those overtime points. He's not helping you there. He's sitting there on the bench watching. So that trade on that day, to me, it didn't look very good back then. Because just on a on a basic level, I just didn't think you got enough for uh, for a, for a guy who was nominated for the Norris Trophy twice and wanted one. I just didn't think you got enough. You know, you got an older defenseman. It was just a swap, and to me, it was a downgrade of a swap. It didn't address any of your needs to the team. You just literally swapped. You changed the you know the garage door color. You know, more white. It was safer, less risky, you know, less noisy. And you got stuck in this situation now where the possibility exists. Hopefully, knock on wood, Weber comes back. He's fine next year or fine, you know, Weber uh, terms. He's a year older. But he had a decent uh, early season this year. The last three, four weeks, he wasn't really doing much out there. In the last week, it was kind of obvious that, you know, something was bugging him. So we're here now without knowing, just waiting. Waiting for five weeks to see what the Mojokanians tell us. Was it indeed an ankle sprain? Because if they come back in five weeks or six weeks and they announce, well, there's a little bit of a delay you know the Canadians that will do it. They'll they'll probably tell uh, they don't love one, you know, on Twitter, so you could spread it out there. The Canadians will make an announcement for you know, another week or two. So in five six weeks, if they come back and they say, you know, we're not sure what to tell you right now, then you know that was complete bullshit, and Nick Kiprios was completely right about the whole thing. Now in four weeks, they come back and they say, yeah, Shea was looking good, you know, he's training again. He's off the crutches or whatever the hell he's going to do. You know? We'll go from there. But who, what happened? You lost another year. Another year's gone. Shea didn't finish another year. And you're hoping that he comes back next year. Just waiting. We're all just waiting. Reminds me of that uh, Tom Petty song. Yeah. Actually, that's a good idea. Maybe I should play that song. I've been babbling for 40, my 45 minutes. Holy moly, didn't realize that. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. Because I don't want to talk about Shea Weber anymore. It's freaking... Give me a headache. 
possibility of this team without even Shea Weber or the ability to trade Shea Weber for, for pieces. It's just it's mind-boggling. Uh, the fact that Jeff Molson still hasn't uh, pulled the trigger on, uh, on Mark Bergevin is mind-boggling. It's, it's like we're stuck in a bizarro world. You know, I don't know what's up, what's down. You know, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Is there any accountability anymore? Does Jeff Molson even know how to spell that word? Or does he just think it's an accounting thing? I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. So, the Habs lose another game. They get uh, a little bit closer to being mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And, um... Mark Bergevin, Jeff Molson have to make a lot of decisions coming up. So with that, I'll leave you guys for another night. Thanks for listening. I'll play you all with a little bit of Tom Petty. Rest in peace, Tom. The waiting. Have a good one, everybody. See you next week. Thank you.